0: Prayer moves the heart of God, but some prayers move him more than others do. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. God wants more for us than a tepid faith and half-hearted routines at dinner. He called you to a life of courage, not comfort. It is time to unleash prayer in our lives like never before. Join us as we explore dangerous prayers. Oh, come on, you guys. Really? Really? First service, I understand, sleepy, tired, but you already had your coffee and, or maybe you're already thinking about cabaretas, I don't know. Hey, God is good, amen? And that song that we sung reminded us of how the the world has so much not to offer and how much God has to offer us, amen? And we are so fortunate that we have a living hope in Christ Jesus. So there's a few things I want to do before I jump into the message today. One is, uh, you know I love my uncle to death. And uh, he's usually here first service about a half hour early because he's half hour early for everything, right? And so he'll be moving to Hawaii, and he's there with his wife right now. And so there's two very um, incompetent technology-wise people in this world. It's he and I. And he just sent me a picture. He's watching us live in Hawaii. So let's say (laughs) hi to Uncle Casey. (laughs) I'm sure it was his wife that got it all signed up. But to all of you that are watching us, I'm telling you, still every week we find people that are watching us literally all over the world and so we want to say thank you and uh, God bless you. And to all of you, it's been fun. Uh, this is summer and people aren't supposed to go to church as much, but I'll tell you, we had a full house first service, full house second service, and I'm seeing people that I haven't seen uh, since the beginning of COVID. So people are coming out and it's good to, to have you uh, with us today. I am so grateful. I want to start off uh, with a, um, a big shout out to Amy Gonzalez. She's our children's director. And uh, this week on this campus, we had Vacation Bible School where we had 80 kids Monday through Friday at night with about 40 volunteers, and then Friday night there was a big party out there on the lawn. I'd say it's close to 300 people, and the sun was setting, and it was gorgeous out there, and it was so fun to get wet and to see the kids laughing and having fun, and I just love our team of volunteers. We're an intergenerational ministry, all right? So we had Well, I think Gene would be okay with me saying he's a little just on this side of 80, and he was blowing bubbles every night with his own bubble concoction, all the way down to I think the youngest leader was actually my son at 14, who uh, loved it, and every night he came home and he goes, Dad, I'm in charge of the kindergartners, uh, along with another one, and uh, I feel like I'm a jungle gym. Every night I have four or five kids hanging on me, but it does a father proud, and I want to say this, I love our volunteers at our church, I love the young ones, and I I love the older ones. I love that these people are willing to give. They worked money of them all day long and then came and served these kids at night. And uh, I am so glad. And you're going to see a little snippet about that later. Well, I want to do this. Um, We have been in a theme this year. And the theme I introduced at the beginning of the year was Unleashed. And I want to bring you to our theme verse, which Pastor John, uh, when he preached soon after that, let you guys all know that I gave you a verse that was really long. I think he said it was 90-something words, but I hope that you've memorized it. I hope not more than that you've memorized it, but that you're living it. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and we said our theme for this year is unleashed. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with what, church? Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on problems. Fixing our eyes on politics. Fixing our eyes on social media. Fixing our eyes on the person next to us. No, fixing our eyes on who? Jesus, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith for the joy. Did you see that? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Consider him. Who? Jesus. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow what? So you will not grow weary and lose heart. Here's the reality in any given week with hundreds of people watching. There's many that have lost some hearts. And with whatever life has brought you this week, maybe there's a vacuum cleaner that's just kind of wet, hooked up to your heart and it's just been sucking the life out of you, sucking the hope out of you. I want to tell you, you're at the right place right now. Because not because Pastor Rob's here or because Aaron led us in great worship, because we get to open up God's word. And God's word doesn't suck the hope out of us. It brings the hope in us through his son, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said... And so we, we talked about living this unleashed life. And in January, we looked at men and women that had to deal with this choice of am I going to give into fear or faith? And so we, we, we looked at these unleashed lives. Then the next series, we looked at unleashing character. Oh boy, do I need a good dose of character. And oh boy, does our world need a good dose of character? Amen. We learned about, we learned about courage. We learned about loyalty. We learned about respect. And so we talked about unleashing character in our lives. Well, then we followed that up with our Easter series, unleashing the true story and the true meaning of Easter, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, amen? And then we talked about uh, the Discover Life series, and we unleashed the basis of Christianity, Jesus, the word, sin, grace, discipleship, the church, what it means to be a Christian, how to become a Christian. And then lastly we turned to this series called Dangerous Prayers. Unleashing prayer in our life, but not just any kind of prayer, but dangerous prayers. So the first week I shared, and I want to remind you of what I shared, but we're going to first pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for another day of life that you've given to us that was not promised to us. Thank you for getting us through another week. Thank you for putting a roof over our head and food on the table. Thank you for keeping the doors open here at West Valley Christian Church. Thank you for allowing us to be here present live and and online. God, thank you for all that you've done in our lives. And I pray, I pray that you would help us to be encouraged with our dangerous prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, review, review. Want to review a little bit of what we've been talking about in this series about dangerous prayer? The very first dangerous prayer was search me. Can you say that? Search me. I hope that you've been praying that prayer. I know for some of you that could be a scary prayer, but let me remind you, when we pray to God who created us in his image, when we say search me, he's not gonna find something in us that he didn't already know. But what might happen is we might find something in us that we didn't know. And then God could use that, amen? Search me. The prayer is found in Psalms 139, verse 23. David says, search me, God, and know my what? And know my heart. Test me and know my what? My anxious thoughts. Nobody has any anxious thoughts here, right? Just those of you that are watching online, maybe, you know. But the truth is we all have anxious thoughts. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. So this is a dangerous prayer. Search me, God. Then Pastor John let us in the second dangerous prayer. Do you guys remember what that dangerous prayer is? Break me. Break me. Well, then today, we're going to find our third prayer. Our third dangerous prayer is found in Isaiah chapter 6. If you'll turn your Bibles there, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. Can you recite this verse with me? Isaiah 6, 8, Ready? Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, Lord. Send me. And do you see how I just did that? (laughs) Here I am, Lord. Send me. I wonder if that's the facial expression that most of us have. And I wonder if even Isaiah was like, Oh, boy. Here I am, God sent me. I would venture to say, let me remind you, sarcasm is a spiritual gift at this church. And I may be being a little sarcastic here because I don't think Isaiah or any of us are necessarily having that big old grin. Now there's some of you, you're crazy, in a good way, in a good way. But most of us are like, son of a word, here I am. So with that, I want to take a look at... What are some responses to this whole send me, Lord? So, if we open up our Bibles again, I want to start with the very first st- story, um, and it's found in Jonah. <laughs> the first of three responses to send me. Jonah, chapter one through three. Are you ready? The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh, and what? preach against it because its wickedness has come before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to where? Tarsus. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarsus to flee from the Lord. Church, did you see this? Here is God that says, God is saying to Jonah, Jonah, I got this place. They're evil. They need to turn back to me. You're the guy. I want you to go to them and preach against them. Tell them to turn to me and and everything's going to be good. And Jonah's like, here I am, Lord. I'm not going. And that's that's one of the responses, isn't it? If we're honest with the send me, one of the responses is, here I am, Lord. I ain't going. Now, none of us would have ever have said no to God, right? Just the people in first service. But the truth is, I think there might be a person or two in here where God has said, hey, this is what I want you to do in your life. And maybe you said what? No way. We have uh, our host every week, and they, they talk about the bulletin, and then it's online also. And then we talked about the connecting card where we want your information if you feel free giving it to us. And then there's prayer requests, right? And I've been at this church for over 30 years and we've always done that. And so the prayer requests go to the elders and the pastors and we get those on Monday and we get to to, to pray over them. So I've been seeing these for over 30 years. Now, please hear me. That is awesome. Keep doing it. And some of you may not even know we do that. Or what happens when you write it down? But isn't it cool to know that you have some pastors and elders praying for you on some stuff? The other thing that's great that we we lost during the COVID season, but since we're back in here and we just implemented it again about a month ago, and I wanna let you know this, right after services, so uh, right after both services, the first service and the second service, right outside these doors, if you look to the right, there's a prayer room. And we've got people ready to pray with you live. So if you ever have something on your heart and you want someone to pray for you immediately, it happened last service. Go to the prayer room and we have people that are happy to pray with you, amen? So we believe in prayer and there's nothing wrong with God. I want you to work on this health part of me and God, I want you to, to, to provide this job for me or financial situation or relationship situation or, or whatever it is. And here's the reality. We may get two pages of prayers. We, there are seasons where we get five pages of prayers. And please hear me, keep doing that. But, but in 30 plus years, rarely, rarely, rarely do you ever see a prayer request that says, we pray along with me, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? Because here's the real honest answer. I'm selfish and you're selfish at the core. Can I hear an amen to that? And so we're gonna pray for things that affect our lives and affect the lives of people who are around us that we love. Again, nothing wrong with that. But I want to bring you to our youngest president ever to be elected, John F. K. Does that ring a bell? On his freezing cold inauguration day in 1961, not wearing a hat or not wearing a jacket, he walked up to the podium. And in a speech that lasted less than 15 minutes, he delivered a famous challenge. See if these words bring back a memory. Ask not what, what does it say? Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. You heard those words before? Ask not what your country could do for you, but ask what you could do for your country. And really when we're talking about the send me prayer, it's ask not what God can do for you, but ask what you could do for him. Did you see that? Ask not what God could do for you, but what can you do for him? It was like it happened yesterday. And I've shared this a little bit uh, before. But uh, it was my day off, Friday. Can you put that on your calendar, by the way? Friday is Pastor day, day Off. <laughs> I had just finished golfing, and uh, it was around 4 o'clock. I'm driving on Valley Circle, and um, my home's just, just right over there, right by West Hills Hospital. And I got a call from the office and Cynthia, our awesome operations director. Let's give it up for Cynthia. Yes, yeah, Cynthia <laughs> Wagner. She called me, and uh, we have a, a, just a, a commitment with West Hills Hospital, because they don't have a chaplain at West Hills Hospital, which we continue to want to do something about that. But um, if there's a family that needs some loves, needs some prayers, needs whatever it is, they call us. And, and 90% of the time, it's not usually a very good situation. So she says, they called them, they need someone right now. And I'm going to be very, I'm going to be very, very honest. Um, I had already checked in my mind, you know, get home, it's Friday. We're going to pick up the family. We're going to go out for dinner, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, so I, I um, had that go through my mind. And I'm not the only one that goes and does hospital visits. Pastor John does, Pastor Greg does. But I kind of knew already, you know, Friday night, eh, you know what? And so I was, I was processing this. And I want, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to hold on to that story because <laughs> if I remember at 53 years old, I'll come back to it. But when have you been asked to do something by God? And what was your response? See, Jonah was asked to do something. What was his response? Here I am, Lord. I ain't doing it. Have there been times in your life where you've said, here I am, Lord, I ain't doing it? You know what it's like to write this sermon and have to pause and ask that question of yourself? And can I be really honest with you? When you ask that question of yourself, maybe you're better than I am. You you are better than I am, (laughs) let's not say maybe. But it was hard for me to come up with a lot of responses. And it's not because I'm super spiritual, and it's not because I say yes to God all the time, but I just don't want to remember those moments. And even more honestly, I didn't know I was saying God saying no to God in those moments. Does that make sense? Like, like I'm glad that there's not going to be a highlight reel of moments where God said, "I called you to do this," and you said no. (laughs) Because there's going to be a lot more moments. But I'll tell you this: I know now, nobody here in this room but I know when my phone has gone off and now we have that magical name appear. Back in the day, you didn't. There have been times where I've looked at it and not answered it. How about you? Knowing that probably God wanted me to answer it. There's moments where I'm in the lobby and I may see somebody before or after services. And there's a nudging on my heart to go talk to that person. And for whatever reason, there's been moments where I've said no. How about you? How about where there's been a conversation that God wants you to go talk to somebody and ask for forgiveness? And you said no. Write a letter. Give a gift. Do you know what I'm saying? Like most of us think, Lord, send me means sell everything, get on a plane and become a missionary in Africa. 99.999% of the world, he's not asking us to do that. Sometimes it's just going next door and inviting somebody over for a meal. Are you with me? So can we put this send me in perspective? So some of us, do we understand this response? Here I am, Lord. Nope, not gonna do it. But can you imagine what this world would look like if we as Christ followers in this room said, Lord, send me? Do you, can you imagine if all the Christians in this valley and all the churches said, here I am, Lord, send me? Can you imagine if everybody in California that is a Christ follower said, here I am, Lord, send me? Can you imagine if every Christian in the United States said, here I am, Lord, send me? Oh, can you imagine if everybody in the world said, here I am, Lord, send me? We would look different, wouldn't we? We don't have to worry about what's going on politically. We don't have to worry about what's going on socially. We don't have to worry about what's going on dot, 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 because we as Christ followers are immersed in saying, Lord, send me. And I think we as Christ followers could take care of a lot of problems. Yep. (sighs) The second response Is by a name, a man named Moses. Moses, did I say Moses? (laughs) Okay, by a man named Moses. Exodus 3, chapter 10, 11. So now go, Moses, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. These people have been suppressed. These people have been enslaved. These people have been abused. Moses, you're the guy. No longer are your people gonna be abused. No longer are they gonna be under the heavy hand of Pharaoh. But Moses said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Are you kidding me? God Almighty who created this earth, God Almighty who created the creation of this, God who created Moses in his image, Moses said, here I am, Lord, send somebody else. Because if you read on in the story, doesn't he make up all these excuses? You know, stuttering was one of them. God, God you've you got the wrong person. I, I can't, I can't lead. And God's like, oh my goodness. Moses, I'm God. Moses, all these excuses. Can I just say you're right? You're not qualified for what I'm asking you to do. But I always call the unqualified and qualify the unqualified for my purposes. So Moses, I know your list and I knew your response, but buddy, I've got your back. And look at Moses' response. Exodus chapter four, verse 13. But Moses said, pardon your servant. At least he was polite. Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send, what does he say? I mean, that's in scripture. So, so this whole send me thing, can you relate to these responses? Not that any of us done them, but we've seen people, right? The first one is, Lord, here I am. No, I'm not going. The second response is Lord, here I am. Send somebody else. That's what Moses said. God, you've got the wrong person. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not wealthy enough. Lord, I'm not enough. Because of our insecurities, we like to disqualify ourselves. We like to look at everybody else as qualified, but not ourselves. And we also rattle out the the, the excuseless. And let me remind you, God never calls the perfect. Did you hear that? God never calls the perfect. God isn't in the business of qualifying the unqualified. Here's a small example. Moses was a murderer. David was an adulterer. Rahab was a prostitute. Noah was a drunk. Isaac was a daydreamer. Joseph was abandoned. Jeremiah's too young. Abraham's too old. Elijah battled depression. Martha was a worrywart. And John the Baptist ate bugs. God... God qualifies the unqualified, amen? Here I am, Lord, send someone else was his, his response. And, and I'll be honest, you guys know this. Some of you don't, but I want to remind you of something. Pastor Kirby, God bless him. Like I've shared, he and Carolyn, every week, they watch the services. Uh, he always has something nice and encouraging to say. He misses you guys, they miss you guys. But Pastor Kirby and I worked together for 30-something years. Never, never was lead pastor ever talked about, Never was it desired by me. I always said if I ever desired Pastor Kirby's job, I needed to leave because I did not want to ever be divisive. But out of nowhere, I'm driving on the 118 one morning, just past our sister church, Shepherd of the Hills. I remember like this yesterday. <laughs> Glenn goes, Rob, I need to be quiet for 10 minutes. That's not the first time he's ever said that. ha, ha, ha. He goes, I I want to share something with it, And he went on to share his heart about how he'd been thinking about this and praying about it. And out of nowhere, he goes, I think you need to be the lead pastor. Now, I want to tell you, as spiritual as I am and as Christ-like as I am, I can't use the words that I shared with him after listening to him. Because it came out of nowhere. And I was like, heck no, How many of you know that Pastor Kirby's a little persistent? <laughs> can you guys just say amen so he can hear it? Yeah. All right. Can you say we love you? We love you. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, he, his office was right there. Mine was there. I, weekly, he'd be standing in my doorway just looking. You need to be lead pastor. And sometimes I was really not nice with him. Five years Five years, I said no. And if I'm really honest, you guys, I was the here I am, Lord. I ain't gonna do it. Here I am, Lord. Send somebody else. Can you relate to that? I'm embarrassed to say that. But it's true. And I feel like it's important to be vulnerable with you because I think some people in this room get that. Where God continues to knock on your door and continues to say, you're the person for this. As big or as small as it is. You're not a bad person if you say no, and you're not a bad person if you think it should be somebody else. You're human. But part of being human is to realize that there is a third choice. And we're going to talk about it. You know, it was soon that I came up here on the stage. Actually, the first Sunday I ever preached, I held two pairs of shoes. They're still in my, in my office. One of Eden, who was probably, I don't know, maybe three years old at the time. Uh, Amy and Tim Gonzalez's daughter and Easton, uh, my son, uh, Lisa and I's son. And I held up those shoes and I said, kids are not, kids and teens are not the future of the church. They are the church today. You remember that? I still believe that. I also said in the same sentence, I said, seniors are not retired at our church. They're more important and valuable than ever before. And that's why intergenerational ministry is so important at our, our church. And I love our church because our seniors serve like you wouldn't believe around here. Can I also say something? Um, of the about 40 volunteers for v- VBS, probably one of the most exciting things for, for me was, I'd say almost half of the volunteers were under the age of 25. And half of those volunteers, I remember when they were three and four years old as, at VBS. And now they're 15 years old, 19 years old, 24 years old serving. Isn't that awesome, church? Oh, that makes me excited. Back, back to the point. God put it on my heart to finish the upstairs. There, there was, it was just an empty shell with a bunch of trash sat there for seven plus years. And I came to you and I said, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna do this thing. It's gonna cost 1.2. I could tell you how 700,000 is gonna be taken care of, but we're gonna raise 250,000 in six weeks from now. And I've, told, I've always told you guys that story. And God did what? 315,000 six weeks later and cash was absolutely amazing. What I haven't ever told you guys, and I, I won't give a number or anything, but I wanna tell you. The next day I was scared that I had done something crazy. And the truth was, I had done something crazy. But what scared me is early into this, God says, you're leading this church. You need to be one of the biggest givers to this thing. My wife and I wrote a check bigger than any check we'd ever written outside of tithing, which I think it's important to say, we tithe. <laughs> That's important. We wrote a check that, I, to this day. I was like, and I had one friend that I told about this and he said, don't do that. That's not, that's not smart for where you're at financially. Did it anyways. Can I just tell you this? We've been blessed 20 times over because you can't give, out give God. And we didn't give it because we were gonna test God that way. We gave it because that's what we needed to do. Does that make sense? But can I be really honest with you? I wanted to pray, here I am, Lord. Have somebody else write the check. Have somebody else go next door and talk to the neighbor. Have somebody else go forgive that person. Have somebody else. Are you with me? Let's get to the third response. The third response is found in uh, Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard the Lord say, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And he said, here I am. What? Send me. There's the third response. Here I am. No, I ain't doing it. Here I am. Send somebody else. And then the third response is where I think we ought to land, where Isaiah landed, and it was, here I am, send me. This is not an easy prayer. Amen, church? I don't think it was like, here I am, Lord, send me. It was more like, here I am, Lord, send me. Here's a blank check, God. Fill it in. You see, I think sometimes we don't share that answer to prayer or share that prayer. It's because we fear what God is going to tell us to do. And like I said, he's not calling us all to sell everything and go move to Africa. Sometimes it's just to write a note. Sometimes it's to give a smile. So how do we get to this answer? And that's how I wanna close today. How do we get to here I am, send me? We can learn from Isaiah what happened before he said those words. You see, if you read Isaiah 6, Verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And if you kept on reading, you're going to see that, that Isaiah had an experience with God. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. He had this experience with God. And so if we are going to get to the place of ever saying, here I am, Lord, send me, we need to have a genuine experience with a living God. Amen. He was left in awe with God. His glory, his holiness had changed him. And I think that's so important. If I'm filled with myself, I'm going to say no. If I'm filled with myself, I'm going to say send somebody else. But if I'm filled with the awe of God and realize how amazing he is and that he's got my back, I'm going to say, here I am. Send me, Lord. And a second important key to this is found in Isaiah 6, 5. He says, woe to me. I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. I live among people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You see, genuine and awareness. Of self is so important to answering the call, Here I am, Lord, send me. And not just genuine self awareness, but self awareness that we're flawed, that we're a mis- not a mistake, that we're messy, and that we're sinners. And put those two together this experience with God and knowing how amazing He is, and then a healthy perspective of, of Yes, I'm unqualified. Yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I've made mistakes is perfect with one last ingredient. Isaiah 6, 7, with it, with the hot coal it talked about before, hot coal, with it, touched my lips and said, see, this man has touched your lips. Your guilt, check this out, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Now, you and I, talk, we know that because the cross and Jesus Christ and, and we know our sins are forgiven and we've heard that story. This is brand new stuff. For Isaiah, and for Isaiah to find out how messy is, and then the, the cold of the angel touching his lips and saying that you are forgiven, this is grace. And I'm not going to talk about grace today, because you know what? We're going to talk about it for four weeks starting next week. Grace is greater is our next series. And you and I need four weeks of grace. We need five weeks of grace. We need six years of grace. We need a lifetime of grace and learning, Amen. We are sinners saved by grace, but if we understand we have a genuine relationship with God and experience how mighty He is, we understand how we're 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 unqualified, and yes, we're messy, and yes, we've made mistakes. But grace has covered us. Then we're in a position to go, God, let's go, and church. I should never planted church in another country. But messy Rob realized God asked it and we're gonna do it. And a team of people did that. Taking over as lead pastor, I'm so unqualified for this. Can I hear an amen? Amen. But God has qualified me to whatever degree he wants me to do it. The whole upstairs, uh, uh, the the journey ministry, uh, Samoa, uh, all sorts of things that I've experienced in my life where I just go, this is not me at all. But God says, this is not about you, Rob. This is about you recognizing how holy I am how messy you are, but together with grace, I got a plan. And the same is true for you. We just need to be able to come to the place of, here I am, send me Lord. Remember that story? Friday evening, I finally got past myself and said, you know what, I'm gonna do it. And I showed up and my friends are here, Jane and Jill. When I met Jill, I never saw her face for 45 minutes, did I? You were, um, you are on top of your 19-year-old daughter that had just passed away. And Jay, you were on your knees just so sweetly and quietly rubbing your daughter's hair and your other children, adult children in their room. 45 minutes just rubbing your, your back, Jill, right? And and just praying quietly. That was uh, the week before the pandemic. You could put two and two together, church. Jay and Jill are sitting here two years later. Jill's got some cool shoes on with her daughter's shoes on, or her pictures on, Jaylene. I love you guys. I'm proud of you guys. One day's not easier than the other, is it? But we've built a relationship. Because of that day, you're in my life grip. And Jill's a hoot. She is a hoot. Huh, Jay? Jay's, <laughs> why, why am I sharing this story? Because I'm glad I didn't say no. And I'm glad I didn't say send somebody else. God was able to use us in a hard time to build a relationship that has filled my cup and hopefully filled theirs. Church, will you pray that prayer? Here I am, Lord, send me. He's not gonna ask you to go anywhere that he hasn't prepared you to. Father, thank you. Help us to continue to experience a genuine relationship with you, a healthy perspective of who we are, and to walk covered in your grace. Help us not to say no and to look at somebody else, but help all of us to say, Lord, send me. Thank you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day.